Hello, and thank you for listening. I'm Jay Lemons. Welcome to Leaders on Leadership, brought to you by Academic Search and the American Academic Leadership Institute. Together, our mission is to support colleges and universities during times of transition and through leadership development activities that serve current and future leaders of the academy. The purpose of our podcast is to hear the stories of the forces and people that have shaped today's leaders in higher education and to learn more about their thoughts about leadership in the academy. I'm delighted to be joined today by Dr. Jessica Kozlov. Jessica is the president of Merita at Bloomsburg University of Pennsylvania, where she served for 13 years as a highly successful president. She's been a member of the team at Academic Search for more than a decade now, and in fact served as my predecessor as the head of Academic Search and a senior consultant. In addition to leading searches, Jessica has been an active participant and speaker on the search process, having facilitated a variety of leadership retreats and workshops for organizations like the American Council on Education, the American Association of State Colleges and Universities, and the Council of Independent Colleges. Jessica, it is a special pleasure to connect and reconnect with um, a friend now for more than 20 years. I still recall well um, having a shared experience with you on the Oregon coast at an Ask You Summer Council meeting, and I was on my way to interview for the presidency at Susquehanna University, and I could never have imagined how our circles would have been intertwined from that time forward. Welcome. Well, thank you. It's, it's wonderful to be here with you and to chat with you today about all the interesting things that are going on in higher education. Well, thanks. I'm going to dive right in here. Okay. And in some ways, one of the goals I have for this podcast is that we really get a chance to understand a little bit more about what makes up the people who have been leaders in the academy. And I'd love for you to share what of your story you would like to about the people, events, and opportunities that have really forged you into the person and leader that you became as your journey in higher education unfolded? You know, Jay, I don't know if I've ever really told you about my background. Uh, I grew up uh, in Texas, um, spent the first 16 years of my life in Texas. My, um, my dad was an educator and um, played a, an enormous uh, influence in my life. Uh, I don't know if this is too much personal detail, but when my parents married, it, um, he learned when my mom became pregnant with me that he had a heart condition and he could not get health insurance. So she made wow. the decision that she would have to be a working mother. Um, and we lived in small rural communities in Texas where he was the superintendent of schools. And she often had to commute a lot to go to um, her or her work, which probably made her the breadwinner in the home. And, and, uh, and, and my dad was really the one that I spent a lot of time with. So after school, I would trail along with him when he was doing things. And um, as I got older, we would have opportunities to have uh, wonderful experiences. And this was in the South. This was in Texas. 
uh, school systems were segregated uh, and he had the responsibility for the black school district as well as the white school district. And I learned so much from him about, um, I, I think, the values of the importance of education for everyone, depending on one's economic condition or the situation uh, that they were in. And he had a very strong belief, and he used to talk about this a lot, but in the end, education and um, black children and white children going to school together was going to be what really, um, really brought us together as an equitable society. And he, he was quite an athlete um, and, and really thought athletics was going to, to, to be the spark that would bring everyone together. At any rate, that, that early, those early years with him were just wonderful. Um, and and I, I still recall conversations we had when I was 14, 15 years old. And unfortunately, my dad did um, succumb to his heart condition um, just a few weeks before my 16th birthday. Wow. And I think one of the things that really motivated me to, uh, to go into education was sort of to carry on his legacy. Um, I, I just, and, 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 and frankly, in those days, if one was going to go to college as a girl, uh, you're probably going to go into nursing or education. So um, I credit my parents, both of them, with um, really instilling in me how um, important education is and that they wanted me to, uh, uh, to take advantage of it. And, um, and of course, then the sequel to that is my mother's role because she became the head of the family and um, wanted me very much to go to college, but we could not afford for me to go away. So I, I went to what is now UNLV, it used to be called Nevada Southern, and it was basically a, a two-year extension of, uh, of the University of Nevada, Reno. And, but I, I always have had a great appreciation for every kind of institution and the fact that no matter where you go, if you get the attention from faculty and you have the support of people around you, you can be successful. And so I ended up going on from there up to the University of Nevada, Reno to finish up my uh, program. And there I had the wonderful opportunity to um, get to know very well the chair of the political science department, uh, who was a woman, and uh, really got me very excited about political science. And I had started out as a drama major. My goal was going to be to get a degree in English and drama and teach English and produce the high school plays. That was, that was my goal. Love it. And uh, I'd love to tell this particular story because I think it has a lot of implications. Right before I was graduating, I was, I was in the ladies room. You know how we always say that 
men go into the men's room to really make big decisions. And Dr. Bushnell, my, my the woman I admired so much, came up to me and she was washing her hands and I was washing mine. And she said, Miss Sledge, very, she was very formal. Miss Sledge, what are your plans for next year? And I, said, I was graduating. I said, well, I'm going to try to get a teaching job. And she said, well, you know, I happen to have a graduate assistantship. And I think you should think about applying for it. And she dried off her hands in very stately fashion walked out of the ladies' room. And I thought about it, and I decided to try that. And I got that assistantship, and that just took me then on the track to eventually a PhD, teaching at the college level, and then going into administration. And I, I just have always, I've loved telling that story to students and to other people about how important it is as students to have someone like that could give you some advice, whether on the golf course or in the ladies' room, and say, you really ought to think about this. Thank you. That was spectacular. Um, and I do appreciate the risk there is in sharing personally. And mm -hmm. yet I do think that our stories help inform and inspire others. And wow. Thank you so much. Jessica, the next thing I would love to hear you reflect upon is what makes a good leader? And by good, I don't mean grade B. I mean successful, virtuous, highly effective. Um, I, had, I was very fortunate in my life to have a number of wonderful mentors and Dr. Bushnell was one. And the, the other one was um, uh, a guy by the name of Bob Dickerson, who I bet you know because he's Absolutely. quite well known in, in the work he's done uh, in consulting. And he was president that when I was um, uh, teaching and got into administration at the University of Northern Colorado. And he had encouraged me to be president. Um, and in fact, he had. Um, he had nominated me for an ACE fellowship, which I got, and which was just a tremendous, um, tremendous experience. Um, Where did you do your ACE fellowship? I did it with the Colorado Commission on Higher Education. Uh, at that time, you know, my husband was is a was a physician, is a retired physician now, and I felt like I couldn't go too far away from home, so I was in Greeley, and I would. Yeah. drive down to uh, uh, go down to Denver and just sort of commute on a daily basis to Denver. But I got to work with a wonderful woman named Linda Wilson, mm -hmm. who was the uh, you know, African-American woman who became the commissioner of higher education in right. Colorado. And that was a terrific, terrific experience. Um, so I, I learned a lot. So well, how... How, what do I think is a, is a good leader? Um, I think having the experience to really watch leaders uh, through that ACE fellowship, and I think that uh, speaks to why important it is that we have these professional development programs because people, I think you have to have certain innate 
values and qualities to be a good leader. But there's so much we can learn from one another and from observing and from really giving serious attention to leadership. And because often we just don't get that kind of training as we go through our academic um, academic program. So um, that from that experience, I think I I, I learned from watching. I, I watched things that uh, I didn't think went well. Uh, I was able to watch things that did go well. And I think I came up with a conclusion that, first of all, to be a good leader, I think you have to have the right values. You have to be the right, you don't have to be perfect, but we do need to be um, really concerned with the mission of what we're doing. I, I remember Bob Dickinson telling me, writing me a letter when I became president of Bloomsburg University. And, and he gave me, it was, it was very typical Bob Dickinson. He wrote all these um, things that I should remember. I think he had like a 10 point thing for me to remember. But the one thing he said that I've never forgotten, he said, Jessica, when you become president, you are going to have to, to it, your whole attention has got to be on making the decisions or that are the best for that university. You have to love it. You have to wrap your arms around it and say, you're like my children or spouse or partner or whatever. I'm going to do everything I can to make this our mission successful even if it's not a popular decision. And, and he, I remember him saying to me, and just remember, you're going to have to love Bloomsburg University and everything about it. It's not going to love you back the way you love it. And mm -hmm. that's just the way, that's the relationship that we have as leaders for, what the, for the privilege of having the responsibility for, for institutions. That's and powerful. for other people. Yeah. And it, very uh, it was a very simple thing, but I found myself so often in positions and I would think about, about that. Uh, I've got to do what, what you know, is, is the right thing to do to fulfill the mission that we have, which is, I think, uh, making sure that we're taking good care of the people who work for us and for the communities that we're in, but especially and most importantly for me, it's always been what's right for our students. And not to be, I can remember many decisions I made that the students didn't like, especially uh, involving some of the drinking culture on campus and some issues we had to deal with. But um, I think in the long run, um, there was a certain amount of respect there and um, that's sometimes the best we can get is just people think that we're making a fair decision. We don't, they don't like the decisions we make. But you know, I think the other aspects of what makes a good leader is someone who, who has empathy, who can be resilient, who doesn't let all the noise get us down, yeah. things aren't going well, and just remembers to to focus on what is the mission here? Why, why did I want this position of leadership in the first place? And am I doing the things I'm supposed to be doing 
to fulfill it. And, um, and, and, and I, that's probably a very simple answer. I'm sure there are much more philosophical ways to approach it, but that's sort of the way I've always thought of leadership. I really appreciate it. And I also um, appreciate your paying it forward with, um, with Bob Dickinson's um, um, wisdom. You know, uh, and that will enrich some of the work that I know I do with uh, future leaders because I often use language very similar. You got to embrace the place that you land. Um, yep. You need to bloom where you're planted. You need to put your arms around the institution. You need to love it. But I think that Bob's comment of the second part of that, don't expect it to necessarily love you the same yep. way back. Ultimately, and I do know this because I was close enough as I landed here in the greater Susquehanna Valley to know how much you were revered and loved. There, there can be some reciprocity, but it is a little bit like raising a teenager. It, 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 it may come a little right. after you've lived through a rough path. So. <laughs> that's, very, that's very, very true. That, that's wonderful. I, I would love for you to talk a little bit about... Um, what was important to you as you were building your leadership teams? What were the qualities and what were you looking for in, in leaders um, as a part of, of, of you know, the, the president, but the presidency includes that senior leadership team and many other components. What was important to you? Well, I mean, of course, we're always looking for the very best talent we can get. So you want people around you that are smarter than you in in the areas that they're going to be leading. Uh, I think that's very important. But I was always very concerned about uh, much of what we've been talking about already. How, what, who is this person? And what are their values? And are their values congruent? And are they going to support this, this institution and our culture? Yeah. Um, and there were times when I chose people who might not have had the experience um, but that I thought had the passion and the commitment. Yeah. And that they were worth mentoring as others had mentored me. But certainly, uh, certainly it's, it's people that are, are competent, I think competence you know, we don't talk about competence enough, but incompetent leaders are disastrous <laughs> because they cannot inspire others to do their jobs as well. So you've got to have people that are, are prepared adequately at least and are competent. But then I think above that, it's how do I think they're going to fit into this institution? Um, are there going to be team players? So I think leadership is a team sport. It's not a solo activity. Absolutely. So, I, and I used to sort of preach this to my cabinet, I, which was, I expect, I hope I wasn't preaching, but I expect all of us to be able to take off our, our, our specific advocacy hats for whatever unit you're leading. And we sometimes have to put on that university hat and I would sometimes explain it to them by saying that there are times when, because we're part of a higher education system, I'm going to have to take off my just 
can't just be advocating for Bloomsburg University. Uh, there are times I'm going to have to put on the system hat and be a good member of the chancellor's team. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can do both of those things. You can be a strong advocate for the people you represent and still be part of a bigger mission as well. And sometimes that means that we all um, have to give up a little bit and do what's right at the moment for, um, for the greater good, I guess I would say. So those, I think that's what I was really looking for, people that would be good team players. And when I, um, when I found that I had to take someone off the team, it was usually because they were not good team players. And when you get that kind of dysfunction, uh, it's, it's really pretty awful. And I'm sure you're seeing this now too, as, as I did when I joined Academic Search and I started going around and working with other campuses. Uh, having dysfunction on the leadership team is really, really uh, counterproductive, to say the least. Oh, for sure. And and I, you know, uh, again, um, I I think we're gonna find all kinds of unexpected gifts around this. And I think what you just shared. Um, I can bear witness to because in the small world of the academy, um, I had two senior members of my team that spent time as a part of your teams. And I heard them reflect um, exactly what you said and bring that to the teams that, 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 that I um, worked with them on um, in terms of um, mm -hmm exactly what you said. So I, I had not even thought about those. I'll let them remain nameless, but one of, I think them, I know, know who one of them was an ACE fellow. You know exactly who yep. I'm speaking of. And um, yep. um, so you you did create a culture that endured in um, in those people. That's a, a, an extension of, of your legacy. What? Let me turn to advice that you would have for people who are aspiring to leadership in the academy. Um, and you have a few nuggets of wisdom that you would share? Well, I, 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 I do. Uh, I, say I, I don't think it's anything really revolutionary, but um, I, I, I always just say in every position that you have, learn, 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 absorb. And I, I like to turn the uh, commencement advice I think Steve Jobs gave that Follow your passion and oh, you know, go for what you love. And I used to say, my my team uh, and and people I was mentoring. Um, my advice is to get to the position that you love. Learn to love everything you have to do in life, because every position you have is going to give you some insights that you will use later. And if I if I can be just very personal again, one of the biggest things that happened for me was a very sad thing, and that was that um, at UNC, we had a terrible situation where we had to retrench faculty. And I had just finished my, my doctorate over at CSU, and I was finally in the medical science department, and just really, life was wonderful, but I was non-tenured. And um, so we had three years of retrenchment, and in the third year, 
my time came and I had to go. Um, and I, I was, uh, I just remember cleaning out my office that day. It was just oh, terrible. But there was this position open for an assistant dean of students to help uh, develop an academic advising center. And uh, my personal circumstances, I couldn't go somewhere else to teach. I had young, I had teenagers. Uh, Steve was a physician. He, you know, it was, yeah. I needed to find something in Bloomsburg. I mean, in the Greeley. So um, I took that position, and at first, I really was not terribly happy with it. But you know what? Um, I learned to like it, um, and I learned so much about student life. And I've always felt that I was so fortunate to have both the academic experience, which had come very natural to me, and then to learn about all of the issues that are involved in the Student Life Association. And then, um, so I, I just, I, I think one um, really needs to embrace all the opportunities we've given. I mean, if it's just terrible and you have to leave it, then obviously you're going to leave it. But you know, um, it, sometimes we get a little impatient about going up those steps of the ladder. And if, if I think we really will contribute to anything that we're given to do, not only will we make a contribution, but we will learn so much that later, way down the road, you will remember what those folks and student affairs are going through. Uh, you'll remember if you've been teaching and you didn't couldn't get the supplies that you needed to teach with. So um, I guess just learn, 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 absorb from every experience that you're given in your professional life. Jessica, thank you. Um, you know, and, and I don't want to necessarily chase us down um, um, a, a, a whole nother avenue and to bring back to your mind um, one of the extraordinary crises that you faced, but it was the first time I heard you speak. And it was reflecting on the crisis involving um, the loss of life and the terrible fires at Bloomsburg. And I think the link for me is no doubt that deviation from the path of moving up the tenure ladder in lockstep that took you into student life had you better prepared to meet the needs of Bloomsburg during that very, very frightening and, and um, awful experience um, um, that, that um, is among the most challenging things any president will face any place. So, um, wow. That's, um, you, you did it, you learned. Oh, thank you. I, again, I was, uh, that was such an extraordinarily impressive testimony um, uh, for um, me as a young president, hearing you talk about, uh, about um, your, your experience there. So thank you very much. I wanna move things to a little bit more of a lightning round and I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit okay. Five kind of quick questions, and uh, and um, you you hammer at them um, in uh, in quick form. So, okay. 
What was the fondest memory you had um, of your undergraduate experience? Well, that's where I met Steve Kozloff. Doesn't get better was, than that. I was a senior in college. He was a graduate student. I stayed on to get my, uh, became a teaching assistant as he did. And uh, we both uh, you know, had two or three wonderful years together before we eventually got married. And it was on a college campus. And um, both have shared the experience and how important it was to have faculty who mentored us. Back when we left Greensburg, we established uh, an endowment for faculty development and Kozloff fellows um, to sort of pay back to recognize all those people that helped us along the way. But that was a pretty special moment, uh, experience. Love it. love it. Fall in love on a campus and get married. Well, you've served many campuses. Do you have a favorite set of school colors? Um, I have to say, maroon and gold for Bloomsburg University for the Huskies. Uh, yep, that's that's it. Well, you know, it is. It's understandable. You spent the longest time wearing those colors uh, of any of your institutions. So thank you. Um, I think in some ways that you um, already have answered this, but uh, what made it real for you to think about a life in the academy? Was it the you know the experience in the uh, in the women's restroom? You know, I think it for me it was. Um getting the confidence to think that I could really make it as an academic and as a leader. And, and I, I think it was, the, I was so fortunate to have so many wonderful mentors who um, really took me under their wing and, and gave me that confidence. Um, uh, sometimes, you know, I think especially for women, Jay, uh, be so aggressive as to say, I could see myself as a university president. That's a, that's a big step for many of us. Indeed. And we often need people that give us um, the encouragement to, to think it's okay to think that if you want that, if you're doing it for the right reasons. So Jessica, why do you want to be a university president? Very good. Oh. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. What's your favorite campus tradition? Oh, from Bloomsburg University, it was commencement. When you um, have 50% uh, of your graduates every year being the first in their generation to graduate, and you look out on, uh, we did it in a football stadium, so we could get as many of their family in, and we had three different commencements every semester because we didn't want to cut down on the on on the uh, on the seats that the students could get. And you, you there's families, moms, aunts, uh, children get up when their child or mother walks across, or dad walks across the stage. That I never had a dry eye. It, I don't think at any commencement I ever attended and just watching those families. And when you walk in in the processional and the, all the families are looking at, at their students and their students come by and they yell and scream. You know, it's not real sophisticated stuff, but it is, it's what we're all about.
about. Makes you feel pretty doggone good to be in this business when that happens. It does indeed. It it refills the bucket at a time where most of us need it in higher ed. Uh, That's uh, that, right. That time of year. Well, speaking of, last quick take. Okay. If you hadn't found your way into the academy, what would you have done? Um, I I would have gone into some sort of public service. Um, you know, my mother was um, she she was a government uh, employee. Um, so uh, she, she worked for the government. She she did. Um, you know, she, she had a a, a a job that really helped her help others. Um, uh, I really thought a little bit about going to law school instead of being a PhD, but eventually, but decided to go on for the PhD. Um, and and frankly. Uh, I'm, I'm very glad I did, but um, I was trying to kind of put my life together based on following Steve around and getting him into um, his medical practice and all. But I'm sure it would have been some kind of public service. And maybe I thought maybe the law would be a way to do that, uh, as well as being an educator. But I, I don't know, education was just in my DNA. I, I, my back on that. Well, thank you. I'm, I, you know, back to where we began. I knew you lost your dad at a young age. I did not know any of the rest of that story. And it's really helpful. I, and I, you know, I want to say thank you so much for sharing and sharing so openly. Um, I think these are really gifts meant for others. And I'd invite you to make any, you know, final comments that you would about, uh, thinking about um, life and leadership in the academy. Well, I, I think what I would like to say is I hope all of us uh, have sympathy for and empathy for and support for uh, our leaders in higher education right now and in the faculty, I mean, everybody right now, because this, uh, this wonderful enterprise that we all love and is such a noble professor is under terrible stress right now as so many areas in our country. And there's gonna be a lot of criticism, a lot of people making decisions and who's right, who's wrong. Um, I, I, I hope we can find a way as a society to really appreciate um, what people who go into education for a living do for us, whether we're talking about kindergarten teachers or university presidents. Um, I, I just think this is a very fragile time for us right now. And um, I'll harken back to what my father used to tell me. Education is one of the most important things. Are going, it's going to make our society as equitable and as good as it can be. We have to remember that during times of stress as well as times of celebration. Well, may it be so. Jessica, thank you for being a guest here on Leaders on Leadership, and um, we're really grateful to you. So thank you, and um, I hope you have a great rest of the day, and uh, our, our greetings to the good Dr. Kozlov, uh, um, the other Dr. Kozlov. I will, I will sure share that with you. Thank you so much, Jay. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you. Colleagues, listeners, we welcome your suggestions and thoughts for leaders we should feature in upcoming segments. You can send those suggestions to 
leadershippodcast at academicsearch.org. You can find our podcast at www.academicsearch.org slash leadership podcast or on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Leaders on Leadership is brought to you by Academic Search and the American Academic Leadership Institute. Together, our mission is to support colleges and universities during times of transition and through leadership development activities that serve current and future generations of leaders in the academy.